This is the Mulligans Podcast, a real estate podcast focused on the duo. We created this podcast to share the stories of real estate individuals who have built their business from the ground up or have lost everything and are working to get it back. I'm Hayden Wright. I'm Austin Cole. And, and we, we are, are your hosts. hosts. On today's episode, we have Cody Davis. Cody started investing in multifamily real estate at 19 years old when he bought his first 12-plex with seller financing. Since then, Cody has bought 81 units through seller financing, and he's going to explain a little bit more about how he does that today on the show. Listen closely. Cody, so happy to have you on the show, man. Thanks for coming on. You bet. Pleasure to be here, Aiden. Yeah, it's great, man. Um, so if you wouldn't mind, could you do us a favor and just tell the audience just a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so my name's Cody. I'm based out of a little area called Seattle, Washington, and I uh, got into real estate investing at 19 years old. Today, I am 21, and I have 81 rental apartment units. Wow. So uh, how did you get into real estate investing? At, at How old did you say, 19? Yeah, I got started at 19 as a real estate agent that was focused on multifamily and I'd read Rich Dad Poor Dad at a young age. However, I was just helping other folks that I had met and I wasn't doing a very good job, not making a lot of money. <laughs> didn't have a lot of clients or, and I didn't have any family or friends that were doing this. So I'm um, just trying to help people that I had met go buy properties, ended up selling a duplex. It took me six months to get my first sale. But um, that same year I ended up buying a, a 12plex as my first rental property. Okay. So, so why did you jump straight into the, to, to the 12 plex, 12 plex? Cause a lot of people will start off in different paths. So it's pretty ambitious to just go straight for the, the jugular with the 12. Depends. It's all like a sliding scale. Um, I, I saw 12 as an opportunity. It was just the biggest property in the best location I could buy. The seller financed it, the purchase for me. So they acted as my bank. And I didn't qualify with the bank loan because I didn't have any money. Mm-hmm. I had three thousand dollars to my whole name, so I basically bought this place with a signature. So it was just an opportunity, and it cash flowed thousand bucks a month and change day one. So um, that that's why I decided to go with that mm-hmm. property. And you said you were still nineteen when you purchased the the twelveplex. Yeah, I bought that the twenty eighth of October, twenty nineteen. So what what had you done at that point to be confident enough to move forward and purchasing a 12-plex by yourself? I had a mentor at the time who was helpful. If you don't have a mentor, you're making a mistake. <laughs> yeah, you should be looking up to somebody and know that you know whoever gets you to where you're at won't get you to the next level. So there will be a transition point where you got to jump up. But my mentor at the time gave me the confidence to and the tools to go figure out how to go buy properties. And um, yeah, I asked for help from people that had done it before. Okay. So now was this an organic relationship or was this a a paid mentorship? This is someone that ran the brokerage I worked at at the time. I'm no longer there, but they were one of the head guys there. And so I I basically latched on. I found that if I latched on to the really successful people in the space, I can gravitate success my way. Yeah, Um, absolutely. That's been the way I've been doing that. So moving from 12 units to 81 now, correct? So w- what has happened in in this amount of time to to scale that quickly to 81 units? That's pretty remarkable. Yeah. So I started with 12 and then I bought another 12 
it was about nine months after that I bought my second 12 plex. And then later on, I slowed down a little bit. Nine months later, I bought a six plex. I, I kind of doled it down, bought six, and I was at that comfortable 30 unit range. It's like I've, I'm above 20 now. I don't, I don't need to be in the 20s. I'm in the 30s. And I, I got comfortable there. And shortly thereafter, so that, that sixplex was in March, April of this year, late March or April. I actually don't remember the closing date, uh, but ended up buying that this year. And then just recently on the 1st of October, I bought a 38 unit apartment complex, also wow. seller financed. All these I bought with signatures. It's been seller financed. Okay. Uh, so I bought the 38. Shortly thereafter, I bought another sixplex. And then I bought another sevenplex just south of Seattle. Wow. Okay. So how how are you finding these deals? Is it off market? Uh, some of it. Fifty of my eighty-one units, so about sixty-two percent of the portfolio, I bought on market, and the other thirty-one were off market. The thirty-one now. And what are you doing to attack the off market? Are you doing handwritten letters, cold calls? No, so well, it's a mix of cold calls, but I use Google Maps. I just find properties that I think look cool on Google Maps, and then I find out who the owner is and I call them. That simple. Yeah, I don't call them to buy their property though. I I call the the owners to book a meeting to learn how they did what they did. Interesting. I found I found that the process is more important, and their story is more important than the asset itself. And so instead of just trying to buy something from them. If I can build a relationship with them, they will pass the torch to me. And that's happened multiple times where they'll give me different opportunities and they'll show me how to buy stuff. Like I've learned how to buy properties zero down without a hundred percent leverage, without bringing in capital partners, without writing a check to close. Like it's ridiculous stuff from these owners that have been in the game for 50 years, 60 years, and they just want to help younger generations, but nobody's reaching out. That's crazy. That's insane. So um, reaching out to these partners, are you only doing deals with with uh, people that are willing to sell or finance? So far, all 81 apartment units are seller financed. Okay. Um, so go ahead. I was going to say it's, it's all been very creative though. Like I picked up um, 50, I think it's 51. Yeah. 51 apartment units in the last three months and it costs 25 grand out of pocket. Wow. That's crazy. Okay. So um, what what are your, how long are you holding these properties for? Forever. Forever? You're not planning on yeah. selling? No, the, they'll be, they, I'll likely keep them forever. I might transfer all of it up someday into some 500 unit complex, but that's a ways away. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So what are your, what are your goals for the next three to five years? Are you going to keep going with the, just uh, anybody willing to sell or finance? Yeah, I'll, I'll probably keep scaling up. I want to help other people scale up too. It's been kind of fun to watch how this has progressed. And my buddy Christian, who was supposed to be here, but ended up being busy. Uh, we did a little project with him and he went from zero to 55 apartment units last year with the seller finance through. Wow. First, first year in real estate. And now he's at 55 apartments that pay for his mortgage, that um, cover his car insurance and his food and, gets that stabilized and just just what he's done to date, I mean, it pays for his lifestyle. So 
it's possible to do in one year without a ton of money. Right. Um, so I want to help more people do that. That's one goal. Okay. So you mentioned earlier uh, a consulting practice that you just started. So would you mind telling us a little more about that? Oh, the consulting company? Yeah. Yeah. So the consulting company Christian and I started up is more of a joint venture where it's a 12 month commitment from folks where they're connecting with us. And we're actually moving that into more of a group setting for the the founding people. We have one-on-ones and we'll still do that. But for the bulk of folks, it'll be a group, probably five people with Christian and I, and we're just going step-by-step exactly how we do what we do with the objective of if we get hit by a bus and these people have gone through our consulting it's not a course. It's very tailor fit for these people. But by the time they're done, if we get by a bus, they can go replicate exactly what we did in exactly the same time frames. Everything that we do is repeatable. People don't believe it because it's so simple, mm-hmm. but it's, it's highly repeatable and it's very scalable. Right. So you and you, you're doing this with Christian. How, how did you guys meet? Christian and I met at a company last year. It was actually at a real estate brokerage. We both ended up working for, we both left since. <laughs> and um, we're just doing our own thing. So we don't actually have real jobs anymore, but we met, uh, we were working at this brokerage. The brokerage sent us to go to a uh, Grant Cardone event. So we went to 10X Growth Conference. We bonded over that, came back. We're like, we're going to do this, 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 and this. And a lot of people said that's a lot of stuff. And, it was like, yeah, it is. and then we did it all. And so now, now we're trying to scale it up though. It's, it's fun to have um, things working at a small scale, but now the real challenge is how do we scale that and not have the wheels fall off behind us. So we're working on new challenges every day, but we met at a past company and now we're creating our own. So uh, like what roles do you take in this company compared to what roles he takes? Yeah, so we we can do everything independently of each other. That's something that we put a lot of value on, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of merit there. Um, each of us can do everything that is required within the company. However, I'm better at some things, and he's better at others. And so the way that he put it to me earlier today is, he's like, Cody, you're going to be the one that is just going to keep the pedal to the metal regardless of what happens outside the vehicle. And I'm going to figure out how to put new wheels on the car when the <laughs> wheels are spinning. <laughs> so he he keeps things together and I make sure we have a destination to hit. We always have to have a next destination so that we can scale up. And in the, the meantime, while we're scaling up the companies, our main objective is to take all of the cash flow and hammer our debt, take it, build up a debt cannon. You go get this debt monster is what Christian made an analogy for this, but you basically build this giant debt monster when you go buy real estate. And then the debt monster gives you this passive income, which is your debt cannon to, to shoot the monster and you own it outright. <laughs> so like we, event, we get all this real estate that was paid for by the real estate that cost us virtually nothing and it'll pay itself off. And now it's indestructible within reason. You know, I mean, catastrophes, but there's indestructible wealth, legacy wealth that we can build off of just having time, which is what the three of us have on this phone call. And a lot of people that are listening to this 
if you utilize time, you can do a lot of cool things. Right. So now as far as the day-to-day go, you, you mentioned that you guys are both self-sufficient. You could do, you know, what you're doing by yourself, but you wouldn't go quite as far, quite as fast. So what do your day-to-day roles look like? Yeah. So day-to-day, there's a lot. <laughs> we, we also have, we just started a property management company. Wow. Um, so okay. so we're, we're getting that stabilized. Uh, we just closed on a property about two weeks ago. So we're getting that stabilized and we have a 38 unit that's under renovation right now. So we're coordinating contractors on that. So it's organized chaos. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It seems we're like in this, we're in the stage of organized chaos. However, we're, we're getting to the hump where in a year from now, we shouldn't have to be dealing with this. So on a day to day, those like we run to the bank. We got a ton of calls with contractors. We're coordinating stuff with PM. Uh, we have our first full time uh, salaried person who is running the show for that. She's phenomenal, awesome human being. And so we got to make sure that she's happy because we we never want her to leave. She's an amazing individual. And so it's just we're keeping all the wheels on until we get everything stable. And once it's stable, then we get to expand on to the next thing. Yeah. Cool, man. So and what is that next thing? You guys, again, you kind of mentioned that you're sticking with scaling up, but where would you like to be? Um, you know, how will you know that enough is enough or is this just sort of a, you, you enjoy what you're doing. You're going to keep doing it. We're going to play the game till we pass a billion dollars. I'm a hundred percent confidence. And you know, I'm a hundred percent confident we're going to each pass a billion dollars. And it's like, how big can we think we're going to get to a hundred rental units together. I own stuff without him. He owns stuff without me. And, but we're going to get to a hundred together. We're going to pay it all off out of cash flow. Then we're going to go get to 500. Then we're going to pay it all off out of cash flow. Then we're going to go get to a thousand. And I want to get to a billion adjusted for like on today's dollars, not future dollars. So I figure we got to get to probably seven to 10,000 apartment units. Wow. And when do you think that's going to be? I mean, that's kind of hard to predict. Yeah. um, I'll I'll probably be 40, 45. Wow. And that's a, that's, that's a long-term, you know, play. Yeah. 18 year commitment. Yeah. So I'm about to be 22 this week. So it's like, that's, that's a long-term goal, but. You know, what's on the other side of it? It's a billion dollars. That's a lot. I mean, I, I can do a, I can do something with that. Absolutely, you can. That's insane. All right, well, let's go ahead and get into our next segment, which we call questions from a cup. So we ask you three questions from this year's cup, and uh, you answer them. So uh, All right. question number one, what is your real estate pet peeve? People focus on cap rates. Mm. It's, it's so dumb. Tell us more about that. Cap rates don't matter. Okay. And I'm, I get a lot of hate from that. I actually mentioned that on bigger pockets because uh, they love cap rates. Cap <laughs> rates are great because, you know, they're going to tell you what something's valued at. It's phenomenal. But people that say you should only buy an 8% cap rate market or a 4% cap rate market or a 6%, they just, they don't know what they're talking about because it's a sliding scale. And so it's a pet peeve for me. I love numbers. It's easier to make money in a four cap market than it is in an eight. It's easier to cash flow in an eight, but it's way easier to get rich in a four. And so people that have absolutes of only buying in a certain cap rate margin, you know, it makes my head spin because I'm like, (laughs) 
that's just empirically wrong. <laughs> what numbers do you like to focus on? Well, I'm, I'm in a 6% market, six to six and a half. They're, they're starting to compress down to five, five and a half. But I like six because it, it's more of the secondary tertiary markets where I can go get owner contracts because there's a lot more equity in that market. In some of the main metro areas, there's a lot of debt. And there's lots of reasons behind that. But I want to be in a high equity market because when there's no debt in a, in an environment, they can finance everything for me and they have no due on sale. They have no mortgage. So it just it creates new opportunities for me. And I found that it's more likely to be a high equity market in that secondary to tertiary market where your cap rates are a little higher. Gotcha. Okay. What other what other KPIs do you like or um, measurements? What's a KPI? Like a key performance indicator. So, like, what kind of uh, measurements do you like to look at to know if it's a good property? You have a, a few that you know really mean something to you, or is it just overall holistically looking at the property? I want to look at the location. So, I want to know what what's happening with the population. I want to know who are the employers. I want to know if people are moving there, but more so than if people are moving there, I want to know if people are happy there. Because I know Seattle's doing pretty well, but nobody likes talking about, oh, I love living in Seattle. I mean, you, you don't see happy people just walking in Seattle. It's rainy. It's gloomy. There's tents everywhere. There's needles in the streets. It's a nasty, nasty place. So I don't see happy people there. I'm not going to buy there, especially on a, a 3 4% cap rate. So... Uh, I, I want to buy where people are happy. I want to buy where people are moving. I'm buying in central Washington because there's people moving there that are coming from Texas. There's people coming from Auburn and Seattle and Renton and Tacoma. People, a lot of folks don't know that, but that's why I'm buying there because they're going to know that. And then the hype's going to catch up. But um, no, I I just want people to be happy where they live. Like if I wouldn't live there, why would my tenants is mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. that I, I envision when I look at a property. That's great. All right. Question number two, who is your real estate idol? It depends. I look up to Grant Cardone a lot, but I'm not going to do business the same way. I don't syndicate. I haven't syndicated. And a lot of the big syndicators that I have spoken with that have thousands of units say, don't even think about syndicating. Really? Yeah. They, and I, I've met with some big people and they're like, if you can do what you're doing and get non-recourse debt through the owner contract, don't even look at syndicating because that's what we're trying to do. We're syndicating so we can get the capital to go do that on our own. I, I like Grant Cardone because his message is like, you can do more than you've ever envisioned, but the way he did what he did, I mean, there's a lot of value there and he's going to be massive, but I don't see the same path. I'd say he's in my idol though. I look up yeah. to him a lot. Oh yeah, absolutely. He's got some great books. I started listening to him pretty early on as well. All right. So question number three, third and final question. What is your favorite, least favorite real estate activity? My favorite. I like, uh, I like first. The first of every month is pretty good. <laughs> Rents come in. The cash flow is pretty nice. Um, collecting the, having those checks at the bank is nice. Uh, but my least favorite is probably the management. That's why I'm outsourcing and trying to build, build out management because it's, it's not really that fun for right. me. I managed my first uh, 68 apart or yeah, 68 apartments personally. And it wasn't very fun. 
So, <laughs> do, do, would you recommend somebody only use a property manager when they're getting started out or is it helpful no. to have, have that margin there to advantage yourself for at least 10 units? Really? If you're going to go buy two fourplexes and a duplex or buy five duplexes, 10 houses, you should manage the first 10 yourself. You should understand what goes into it and understand that there's a cost of time associated with it. Cause then there's going to be a next level above that where you progress and you're like, okay, this is a job. I want to progress into into where I'm just an investor. And then they realize that this, the small stuff, this is why it's so important to manage your own stuff. And this piece people overlook is if, if you do it with single family houses, you're going to realize that even if they were paid off, the amount of money that it pays you will never justify owning it. If you're the manager, you can never pay a manager enough to manage it. And the roof is going to cost the same on that as it will a duplex. So if you just think bigger and you're like, okay, if I'm, if I'm going to put in all this time, why would my manager put in all this time if I'm going to pay him 80 bucks a month, $120 a month to manage this little house? It's a little bit of perspective on why little deals won't work forever and why people should eventually transition up into bigger stuff. So I 100% would manage my first 10. All right. So now we're going to move on to the next segment, uh, the mulligan section. So in all of your investment career, what was your mulligan? Okay. Yeah. I mean, if, if I had to start over, I would just tell myself to, to think bigger and yeah. I'd be really confident. I get it. Just, just go be confident. And most people say, well, they don't have a track record. Well, you do. I mean, if you're 21 years old, You've been on the planet for 21 years and you haven't wound up in jail yet. So, I mean, that's a track record. <laughs> so you're but saying I, like, instead of, instead of going for that 12 unit, you would have jumped right in for 38, 40 units kind of thing. Oh, definitely. I, I kicked myself to this day. I lost out on deals because I lack confidence. Mm-hmm. There was, a, there was, I want to say it was 16, 17 units. I don't remember. I try and omit the bad stuff out of memory. <laughs> But it was a deal I could have bought for zero money down and it would have cash flowed $4,000 a month. The reason I didn't buy it is I was like, I just bought a 12 plex. This was after I bought my first place. If I buy this, I'm going to go bust. That was a stupid mistake. You can't go bust by increasing your cash flow with long-term debt. And if, if you've got tons of cash flow coming in, comparatively, like if, if you could 5X your cash flow, and you don't have any short-term balloons, you're going to be fine. But I didn't know that in the beginning. I was worried that this is too many people, too many units, when in reality, I would have had enough cash flow to expense outsourcing the management and outsourcing all the maintenance. So the little things like that, be confident to go a little bit quicker, go a little bigger. So I guess the last question in this segment is, so for those in the audience wanting to be where you're at now, what is one piece of advice that you would give to them and like what they should do for their first step? I mean, the first thing you got to do is establish where you're at. Most people know their story, but they don't know how to best present it. And they don't know where they're at in their story. You could sit down and think about, okay, well, these are all the things that I've done. But if you were put on the spot, you couldn't really present it in a way that everyone could follow. And you wouldn't be able to present it to yourself. And I'm saying you because um, I had to realize this in myself, that I didn't realize where I was at in my story. So I had to learn how to best present it. And in that, 
the main thing you can do to get started is to learn how to connect with people. You're going to do that through your story. You're going to do that through three pillars that I've found to be accurate for building rapport, which is you got to be relatable. You got to have targets and you got to have significance to tie it all together. If you're relatable, you'll get in the room, which is step one. People will talk to you. If you've got targets, people will work with you. And if you've got significance, you don't have to sell anymore. People will buy into who you are. Problem is people forget the last step of significance. And now you've got to go sell your idea to the marketplace. For me, people will buy in and try and give me a lift up because what I'm doing is to take care of my family and help show other people's families eventually after I take care of mine that it's possible for them to do the same thing. Everybody can resonate with that and they'll buy into who I am and give me a natural lift up. So if you can figure out how to communicate effectively as a younger entrepreneur, doesn't matter. I'm not just talking about young in age. If you're young and experienced trying to get started in this game, you can learn how to communicate your story effectively. You will not have to sell as hard as the people around you to get the same results. Mm, that's really good. I like that a lot. Um, all right, so Cody, we really appreciate you being on, man. We got to go ahead and get you out of here. So we got three more questions for you and all we'll right, send you on your way. All right. So what is, what is one thing that you would like people to know about you that we didn't have the chance to talk about today? Oh man. I don't I know, know. You got a lot of fun facts. I saw that you a gymnast, a flipper, if you will. So, uh, yeah, I've been, I've been doing parkour for 11 <laughs> years now. So that's been fun. Yeah. Uh, so there's my fun fact. There we go. That works. It's pretty interesting. So, uh, how long did you say you did parkour for? 11 years. Wow. Dang. So you were what, 10 years old when you got into that helmet? Yeah, like nine and a half, 10 years Wait, old. Did you just see like the, the office episode where they're doing parkour and, and thought that looked pretty <laughs> cool? Or how, how do you get into something like that? No, my grandma told me to go do it. So I did it. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. Um, so what are you looking for right now and how can our audience help you find that? Yeah, so I'm looking out more people do what I've done. I know this is repeatable. I took Christian from zero to 55 units and we collaborated together to go do that in a year. That's a lot of, that's a lot for someone starting out. And looking back on it today, he probably could have gone more, but gone bigger. But that by itself can retire him and his family. Right. Wow. So uh, I want to help more people do that. Sweet. All right. And uh, for the last question, where can people find out more about you? Yeah, so I'm on Instagram, uh, Cody D2020. And uh, Christian is Christian Osgood. He was lucky and no one had his name, so he just got to use his name. <laughs> but uh, no, that's that's where people can connect if they want to reach out. And we're open books. We'll respond pretty quickly. But if people want to get in the game, it's a lot simpler than most think. And where would they go if they wanted to look into your consulting? They can just message us on Instagram. That's the best place to do it. Yeah. And if, if they want to do the consulting, but again, it's, it's really simple. People don't have to necessarily just do that. If you learn how to communicate and you, you keep it simple and you understand the math, then it's not hard to, to go build financial freedom through the real estate space. Awesome, man. Well, thank you so much for being on. I know you had a busy afternoon, um, but we really appreciate your time. And I think this was great. You bet.
Thank you everyone for listening to the show. We hope you gained something from today's episode and put it into action right away. Please make sure to share, subscribe, and review our podcast, as well as follow us on Instagram and TikTok at mulligans underscore underscore. This helps us to grow and share more great stories. My name is Austin Cole. I'm Hayden Wright. Signing Signing off. off.